Queer. Okay. Welcome. Uh, hello, welcome. Hello, welcome. This is the Deck Kids Club. Um, Lisa. Hello. Wearing makeup today. Marie. Not wearing pajamas today. Erin <laughs> <laughs> is still away. Erin wearing makeup and pajamas today. We never know. <laughs> um, yeah, so you were watching Queer Eye, you said? Well, I've been homesick yes. for practically a week yeah. so i've been watching lots of tv so i watched i finished bodyguard so good mm-hmm. um i've been watching queer eye mm-hmm. also so good it's amazing i watched i binged queer eye in like two days but both episodes both seasons yeah love it it's great i yeah. love them all it's gonna be a third one. Oh, is that good yeah but filming it it's gonna happen amazing what else did you watch I watched, I started Making a Murderer, season oh. two. Very excited about it. Love it. Okay. It's a Netflix docu-series about uh, someone who was, who allegedly murdered someone and it seems like they were probably framed. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Because you haven't seen it. I haven't seen the first one as well. You haven't seen it? Well, that's actually a new thing that I got. I'm slowly getting into. Not really. Um, I got Netflix. So after, well, how long has Netflix been around? Like 10 years? <laughs> Basically. Maybe more. Yeah. Because it used to be like you could get the DVDs mailed to your house. That was Netflix. What? The All of Netflix was to get the DVDs sent to your house. And then they started doing the streaming thing. And I remember like in, probably like in high school, my friend had Netflix. And they were like, look, we can like watch this stuff because i have netflix and some of it's like you don't have to wait for it to come in the mail you can watch it on the computer That's and we would crazy. like it was like this cool thing that you could stream They're making so much money aren't they yeah i mean so smart but so no so i got into this now like literally a week ago uh-huh. i've been the reason why i never got netflix is i'm not really i don't really watch TV a lot of films yeah, anyway I don't like it's actually we actually talked about in my therapy how much I avoid putting myself into this unpleasant feeling of suspense that I don't like suspense <laughs> I, I hate know it. so uh, <laughs> but now it's good because it always it used to be that we watched something with Regan together and like when I didn't like something I had to like still watch it but now when I watch it alone I can just skip it <laughs> <laughs> just skip the scary bits <laughs> Um, Making a murder is not suspenseful. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know it's not. It it's just have that I'm feeling. just explaining why yeah. I've uh, not Avoided. had Netflix, yeah. not why I've not seen Making Murder. Okay. Making Murder is more because I don't know because you didn't have Netflix. I didn't have Netflix, and uh, I never illegally stream, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm more into sort of reality. Love Island. Based things. Not like reality TV. Love Island. Like Love, Island. <laughs> Love Island. But like RuPaul's Drag Race. Which there's a reality TV. Yeah. But, you know, like documentaries and sort of non-fictional, not like real characters kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I do love period drama. Mm-hmm. And how funny. I sent you a message being like, oh my God, I started watching The Alienist. Yeah. It's great. 
the same day Aaron texted us yeah. if we are watching it. We are connected. I'm not watching it, though. On this telepathic... I know, none of you. Like, to Aaron and I, I just, yeah. we have this link. It's so funny. It's Dead Kids Club. Yeah. Telepathy. But it's great because... I mean, I've only seen two episodes, so... Okay. Know. But so far, great acting. Really good actress. Yeah. Daniel Brühl is in it. He is this German guy. He was in many, many films. He's, like, one of the really successful German actors. He's German-Spanish or something, so he's in both German, Spanish, and, like... American films. Uh, he, I know him from this really cool film called Goodbye Lenin, which is like he he was like a boy in that one, so he's like a okay. grown ass man now. It's, it's a very old film, and it's about the fall of the wall in Berlin, uh-huh. and it's re- like from the sort of East Berlin perspective. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, but most nerdy people would probably know him from uh, Avengers. Okay. He was uh, Zeno in Captain America Civil War. <laughs> I would know him from nothing, as usual. As usual. <laughs> Luke Evans is in it, who is this... I don't know if you know Luke Evans. He's gorgeous. He is, like, beautiful. He was in The Hobbit. Have you seen The Hobbit? No. Okay. He's been many things again. Dakota Fanning. You know Dakota Fanning. Yeah. She's in it. Uptown Girls. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway... Great acting. It's set in like late nineteenth century New York, uh-huh. so it's okay. dark, well, dirty. You know what? I put it on grabby, just disgusting. I put it on when it great. first came out for like five minutes and was getting a like Peaky Blinders vibe and was like, I'm not gonna like this. No, it it's off. not Peaky Blinders at all. Okay, it's very different because I mean there is there's like mafia. But it's New York. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so Daniel Brühl is It takes place in New York. It's New York. It's so nine it's eighteen ninety-five in New York. So it's really funny because Dakota Fenning is like she's like a lady, so she's walking around these beautiful dress in these like disgusting muddy like oh. streets. It's amazing. Like it's so like dark. Like it's so my, my laptop is so dirty, so obviously I can see like nothing because it's so dark. <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, it's grimy, it's gross. And it's, um, so Daniel Brühl is playing a, like an early psychiatrist who is sort of, you know, he has, he's in like an asylum and he's trying to figure out the, you know, what's, what's up with this murderer, like mind wise. And Dakota Fenning is playing the first woman employed by the police uh new york oh. police department okay she's like a secretary but still like a first woman to be employed by the uh nypd and yeah so that's basically the premise oh, and good. it's yeah and they are there are these two young jewish guys who are like pathologists and are really into like novel forensic methods oh so within like the first or second episode they uh, like exhume Two kids and take out the bones to do forensic anthropological examination. Really? That's cool <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And they're really like they are. They're testing different knives to see like the the curve marks. They're like, yeah, like like oh. it's like an, it's like a sort of like a glimpse. I mean, I'm not sure. It's probably not accurate, but it's like a story about the starts of the sort of modern forensic scientists. So modern forensic sort of psychiatry, anthropology, pathology and all of those. Oh cool. Oh I'm things. gonna watch it. Okay. I mean on obviously on like that's just another layer. There's a lot of layers. It's very American in a way there's a lot of things happening. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's it's all 
Something for everyone. Yeah, there's a bit of a yeah, there's a bit of a prostitution, child prostitution. So it's, it's you. trigger warning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. That's uh, that's that's, that's that. our media update. Media update. Shall we do a podcast update? Yeah, because we have one. We have two. Okay. We have two podcast updates. All right. What? Say the little one first. The stickers. Oh, okay. okay yeah. <laughs> um. So Lisa is the proactive person here. She's been working hard. Mm-hmm. And we now have stickers. We have Dead Kids Club stickers. And as we promised... They're really cool. We both have them on our little water bottles. Yes. And we also have a first person who sent us their review. Yes. Um, which means they get one. They, which, yeah, we haven't sent it yet. Sorry. Uh, probably today we will. We'll, we'll today, yeah. tomorrow, very soon. And we'll let you know. Thanks for the review. Um, We're in London, so it'll take forever to get to you. Sorry. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> They are from, like, the southwest of the States, so it's going to take a while. But you'll get your sticker. And anyone else who wants a beautiful Dead Kids Club sticker, it's gorgeous. Yeah, uh, they, they have our little logo. It just says Dead Kids Club, and that's it. Yeah, so like the logo, really cool. yeah. Um, yeah, write us a review. Uh-huh. Um, and um, then whatever whatever, me, whatever so platform. Just, just take matter. a picture of it and tell us, and we'll... Dispatch it straight away. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to tell us where to send it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's the little news. Now we big. have big news. Wee. Okay. I don't know how to say it because we didn't plan this at all. Okay. Okay. So you know how we have this podcast and we don't know how to make podcasts. So our podcast sounds kind of bad. Yeah. And people tell us. We yeah. know. <laughs> That's pretty much the only thing people tell us about our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's it great. But it bad. sounds shit. Yeah, we know. We're using one microphone. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, we're using one microphone in a not quiet room in the basement of a building that's horrible in our university. Yeah, university. It's yeah. a problem. So we've been working very hard to fix this and we have a solution. Yeah. Which is that we're going to be broadcasting live uh-huh. um, from our student union radio. Yeah. So we, are, we won't tell you when because we don't want you to listen yeah, to the live version. Listen to it live. You don't know. You don't. You might not realize, but there's a lot of editing. Lisa, there's a lot of editing <laughs> to this thing. A lot goes into this <laughs> terrible masterpiece. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously, we don't expect people to listen to us live because it's the middle of the day in the middle of the week. So yeah. it doesn't make sense. But the reason Prime we're spot. doing the reason we're doing yeah, they gave us the best spot, obviously. The reason we're doing it um, is because they have very good equipment. Well, Such all, good equipment. Like real stuff. Like, like microphones with the little... With the thing in front. N- yeah, the net. The screen. That uh-huh. We don't know what it's called or really what it's for, but they have it. Mm-hmm. We'll all have our own microphone. There's some giant thing board with like knobs on it and like levels. Like a mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the guy told us how to, showed us how to use it. And there's like a computer that doesn't make a loud fan sound like mine does when it gets too hot from using... And we can add like in production yeah we can like adjust things because since we have our own microphones um we can adjust things accordingly so when Aaron leans back in his chair and mumbles very quietly you'll still be able to hear it and you I won't be screaming into your ears anymore (laughs) tense I might still (laughs) so yes 
Um, so we'll... In November. Yeah, November. Starting November. N- new us. Yes. New us, new sound. New us, who dis? Yes. Um, it's going to be great. Because of that, though, we're going to be limited a little bit with time. Mm-hmm. Because we'll have a one-hour slot, which means we have to record everything in an hour. Normally, that's what we do, more or less. Hour and a half is usually But sometimes an hour and a half, and then we cut it down. So our episodes will probably be a little bit shorter, but they'll sound a lot better. Um, yep. They'll probably be better planned. Which, because they'll have to be. Because they'll have to be, which you might also appreciate. Uh, Aaron will be back in November. Yes, but you'll be gone. But I'll be gone. <laughs> oh my god. But for the first... I'm glad that... Am I going to be here for the first time we record, though? I hope so. Are we both? Are the three of us going to be here? I hope. We'll yes. all be here. Yes. But for our next episode, our Halloween episode, it will not be recorded... There yet. ...at the radio, but the following ones and forever they will... And our Halloween episode yeah. is going to get have a surprise guest. A super special guest who knows things. Yeah. More like, than us. Like, actually, she is incredible. Yeah. Um, and people who have gone to our university mm-hmm. kind of did something that we did. Definitely know this person. Yeah. Yes. So be excited. Because yeah. we are. Yes. Yes. Whoop, whoop. 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 Um, this is a very, my, my favorite mad reference. Wee wee. Oh, the whistle? Yeah. Wee woo. Wee woo. <laughs> Love them. Uh, all right. That's the announcements. Yes. Okay. Let me just finish my muffin. Topic of the day. Let me finish my muffin as well. Do I have any other news? Let me think. Um... So if you are archaeologist, anthropologist, and member of any other discipline, yeah, and your research relates to fire, so it could be how you study the way that people used fire, or how you use fire in your research. People who study archaeomaterials, burned bone, cooking, almost anything. Yeah, there's going to be a conference at the Institute of Archaeology in May on the 17th and 18th of May in 2019. Yeah. And abstract submissions are open now. So yes, submit your abstract. The conference is called Trial by Fire. Mm-hmm. You can find it at trialbyfireteam, T-E-A-M, dot com. Yes. So yeah, that was our ad for the day. <laughs> okay, and now let's get to the topic. The topic of the day. <laughs> I'm so glad we're going to be on radio. It's where we belong. Right? <laughs> This beautiful voice. <laughs> and we were, wait, wait, we should say, because this is funny. We were, so we had to go, Marie and I had to go to the radio studio <laughs> yes, for, our tr- for our training, mm-hmm. which I was thinking would be like a half an hour long. And I was like, that's not even going to be enough time because we don't know how to use any of this stuff. So we get there and the guy, what's his name, Jamie or Joe? Joe. Joe? Joe. 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 Okay. Joe. He, sh- he showed us around the studio, which is just like a little, you know, Within a few minutes. One room. And was just like, yeah, so these are the microphones, here's the mixer. And I don't know about you, but in my head, I was like, what is a mixer? <laughs> <laughs> but then he was showing us. But then I remembered, most people on radio play music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't have a podcast. So yeah. he was like, yeah, so like, th- this is how you just play the music and stuff. And we were like, oh, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, we don't play music. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he asked us if we're... 
first years. James yeah, like, oh, are you guys first years? Like freshmen for those Americans at home? We're like, no, we're doing our PhDs. We're in our second, second year of PhD. Grown ass women <laughs> trying to have a radio show. Yes. Without music. Yes. No music. We do not accept music. <laughs> Every time I meet somebody and I tell them that I'm doing PhD, they're like, but you're so young. <laughs> yes, I am. Get over I'm not. It. I just take care of my skin. Very well. This is going to be my second podcast at some point. A skincare oh, I would podcast. do that with you. I love skincare. I'm so oh obsessed with it. I, yeah, I, I would love to do that. Probably not. I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> That's going to be a second venture. <laughs> Okay, we really need to get to <laughs> I'm this. already thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to sell skincare. Mm. I, so I know kind of yeah. bit about skincare. I use skincare. Oh, no. I, I forced my boyfriend, who has like Uh-oh. amazing skin and doesn't do self-care, into buying a cleanser and a moisturizer oh, and uses good. that that's every night. Step. So I'm very, I'm, I'm good. That's good. <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> I made him um, like a consulting report. So I went through like the different cleansers and moisturizers and sent him like pros and cons. For, for your skin type. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the client <laughs> would appreciate this product because of this and this and this. <laughs> uh, so so it was called Marie's Bouncy Skin Consulting. <laughs> So that's the name of our next podcast. <laughs> yeah, Marie's Bouncing Skin Consulting. Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> back. Archaeology, anthropology. Right. That's this why is we're what here. we're here. This is what we're here for. Okay. So we... you know how last episode... Sorry, Lisa. You Go know on. how last episode we did mass graves and we weren't keen on it? Right. Because it's horrible and sad and we hate it. Yes. I mean, I do want to work on them, but... Aside of <laughs> I don't. It's horrible. But there was a reason for why we wanted to do it, because mm-hmm. it fits into what <clears throat> we're going to talk about today. Um, and that is, there is, I think you mentioned, the yeah. London Month of the Dead. The London Month of the Dead. Yeah, that's the... Uh, it's still going on. It's the whole of October, I think. Yeah. These events uh, about, you know, death and spooky and interesting things. Mm-hmm. And we went to one that we found, you know, really interesting. And it was presented by Don Walker, who mm-hmm. is a archaeologist in the Museum of London Archaeology, which is a fairly big English, British, London-based... Private archaeology firm. Yeah. And he's the lead osteologist yeah. for MOLA. Yeah. Basically, um, we want his job. Yeah, we want to be him kind of thing. <laughs> um... And this lecture mm-hmm. was in the chapel in the Brompton, Brompton Cemetery mm-hmm. in London, which is really cool. The cemetery is gorgeous. I've never been there before. It, if anyone likes sort of Victoriana looking, spooky, you know, cemeteries, like, I, it's amazing. Just go there. Just, just do it. I was a little, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't take care of it. It wasn't. A lot of it was overgrown and not. I like that though. Taken care of. Yeah, but me. but those are dead people who don't want it to be overgrown, and they have families. Well, that's who the thing. Also, they don't like a cemetery anymore. Not there to be 
spooky. I know. And eerie looking. But I think it depends on how old the cemetery is, because this is a very mm. old cemetery. I'm not sure if they... I mean, they're probably still using it. I'm not sure if they do. Because no, this is, but there are people that were buried there in, like, the 70s. Yeah. And the 80s. But I would say, like, the, the spookiest part is, like, 19th century. And maybe even young, older than that. Um, which, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's in sort of past couple of years, you know. But it's also the job of the family to take care of it a little bit, to be honest. Uh, no, but not in the way that when there's, like, yeah. thorny bushes that have been growing over it for, like, 15 years. That's because the, the cemetery doesn't have the money to take care of it. It's true. Which is another problem. But anyway. anyway. Back to this thing. So, Don Walker, he talked about, this lecture was titled The Dark Ages Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So, from what we gather, he wanted to call it The Medieval Apocalypse. And the organizers took a what they called a poetic license and called it the Dark Ages Apocalypse because it sounds, I guess, was more appreciated by the other people than us, but whatever. <laughs> what was? The Dark Ages, the poetic oh, license. The, the of the funny name. Well, this is, okay, I know we don't have that much time, but this is something that I love to do when I go to events like this. I love to see what kind of people go to them because I go to these type of events because the person talking is someone who's important in the field and I want to meet them or I already know them and I'm supporting their work or whatever. I don't go to these events to like find out about the new research because it's not an academic conference. That's not what they're for. So it's always interesting to see who goes, what members of the public, because it's not usually academics, maybe a few for the same reason that we would go, but it's just like members of the public and the questions that they ask at the end are always silly and I love it. <laughs> it's great. I'm glad people go to things like yeah. this. I'm glad people are interested. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and okay, so to put this into perspective, mm-hmm. what did he talk about? Uh, okay, he was talking about an excavation that MOLA, Museum of London Archaeology, did in... Oh, when was it? The 90s. In the 90s. In... London. So it was an old cemetery. I think it may have been used or that area was used as a cemetery like from the Roman times for a very long time. But the stuff that he was digging up was medieval. It was called the St. Mary Spittle Cemetery. Because it was a cemetery and it was also... It was like a public cemetery, but it was also a cemetery for this hospital that Which was there, was like, right? Yeah, and it, it was I think it was the biggest hos- at this at its height, it was the biggest hospital in London okay. and it closed in 1500. So it was from like 1100s to 1500s. So, yeah, a massive cemetery for the poor, sick, you know, um there was a huge uh, I mean, massive hospital for the poor and sick and there was a huge cemetery to go over there. Right. Yes. You're right. In, uh, yes, just to put it in perspective for our listeners, it was in 1197 when it became a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was a cemetery a little bit before that. It well. was. It was before. It was a cemetery yeah. and then they kind of put the hospital there as well. And then the cemetery yeah. was used it's, for people who died in the hospital. So for people who know London, it's around Spitalfields. And as you know, there is a row called Bishop's Gate, mm-hmm. which means that was, that was a gate to the wall. So why the cemetery was so big and it was the hospital was because it was... On on the on the road outside of the walls, um, so you know more hygienic, better to bury people outside of the walls than inside. Because the Romans put it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this was a huge cemetery. They, I think they ended up excavating um, 10,500 burials, but mm-hmm. they think that there's quite a lot more that were underneath the Spitalfields Market, and they didn't even excavate all of them. And also it was destroyed because the Spitalfields Market was built in uh, like 18th and 19th century. Um, so probably they... Truncated, they... dug, dug straight through yeah. it. Um, so, and I think he said, because it was... It was the biggest archaeological excavation to occur in the UK. Is that right? I would not be surprised. And then he also said that it was the possibly the biggest cemetery excavation ever. ever. Okay. This is a t- like 10,500 10, individuals. Is so, individuals is so many people. Like we have a we have a collection of 300. It's a huge collection. Like at this university. It's, it's the 10,000 I mean yeah, it's a huge collection. Yeah. Um which now is part of the Museum of London's collection. So as as they were excavating them, he said something really good about their excavation was was that unlike a lot of archaeological excavations, Most. they had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of funding, and they were able to do a lot of carbon dating, which is very important for what we're about to talk about. They found a lot of different type of types of burials, um, just sort of the traditional style of burial where there's a pit with one person Mm -hmm. in it um but they also found a lot of sort of mass burial type pits with a lot of people put into one burial um and they all dated within right around the same time there were i think two types of mass burial actually to jump in one of them was sort of smaller, and there was the first famine in there was a famine in the mid 1100s. Yeah, yeah. And so there were mass graves from they were dated to that. But what was really interesting about this was that the mass graves that were dated to this mid 1100s had around five to ten people in, in them each pit. in each pit, while the uh, mass the the pits the mass graves from dated from uh, the mid 1200s. Yeah. At ten to twelve, so basically double the people were being buried, and there were a lot of these pits. Do you remember how many of the total number of people were in these pits? I'm not hundred percent sure, but it was it like was a lot. I think, especially from the time period, it was most like from the yeah. like like from like twelve hundred, it would be like three quarters, or yeah, or something. It was it was a huge amount of of graves. So they started to think about. Oh, and by the way, we're just sort of telling this the same way that Don Walker did because he did a great job. Yeah. So this is his work and the work of Mola that we're just telling to you right yeah, now. Yeah, because it was really interesting. Um, um, yeah. So he's, he and the other archaeologists wanted to find out why these people were buried in these mass pits all from probably around the same year. I think the carbon dating was accurate enough to get them like all within a 50-year period. Okay, so the radiocarbon dating revealed that the dates were around 1250. So they were thinking, okay, so what happened at that time that it could be? So the first thing that he looked at was... The Black Plague. Right. Which, which we've we, already talked about. Yeah, we know a lot of people die. It was loads of mass graves. It was, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Black Plague, as we talked about, um, came to England in 1348. So basically 100 years after these pits were dug and these people were buried. And their carbon dating was accurate enough to tell them that it it's, was not yeah. that. Yeah, it's 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 a, a carbon dating is a range, but not in this sort of sense, not large enough to be to cover to to 
to go all the way to the uh, sort of mid 1300s it was definitely mm-hmm. around the mid of 1200s which i think they were able to achieve because they were able to do so many samples yeah which is very good yeah and why archaeology should be funded more thank you thank you Brexit. <laughs> Brexit, Brexit. okay um okay so what marie was the next thing they thought that it could be um about? like a war violence yeah. sort of thing uh, which I think they sort of mentioned that they could tell the violence was increasing over time. So as they're looking at, you know, chronologically, the skeletons, the younger ones seem to have more violence than the older ones. But what they didn't find in this in these mass pits was a lot of violent, like trauma that would be a consequence of um, sort of military violence, war violence, no uh, blunt force trauma, no healing healed or fresh blunt force trauma, um, no sharp force trauma, really. Not enough to be like, this is clearly um, a, a battle know, or something. A ba- battle. And also it was a mixed sex. Right. Because he said age. in the case of, um, if you see a lot of inter- signs of interpersonal violence, that's only happening pretty much to the men, you can infer that perhaps it was because they were in battle or something yeah. like that. Um, but they were seeing about the same amount in men and women. Mm-hmm. So, so it was just interpersonal violence that had nothing to do with the battle. And it wasn't a ton of it. It was yeah, a very no, small it was amount. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and we should add that there, was, there wasn't any um, evidence of, like, they all had the same pathology or disease or something. Mm-hmm. But... We also have to keep in mind that because we could tell these people all died around the same time, even if that was the case, it probably would have been something that would happen so swiftly that it wouldn't leave a mark on the skeleton. Yes. Because not all diseases do, but some do. And plague doesn't. Right. Plague leaves the DNA. Like, you can find the DNA of the uh, bacteria. Mm -hmm. Because you die so quickly from it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so they... uh... They excluded Black Plague, war. Mm-hmm. What else did they think about? Uh, they were thinking about famine. Yes. Because that was happening then. Oh, lots of time. There was famine every couple of years mm-hmm. in Europe. Uh, but this was, um, like, this was bigger than... So the what I mentioned, the mid-1100s that they found the mass graves from, there was a famine. And they know it's... it's chrono- like, they, they have... It's documented. Documented evidence of a famine from that time period. But this was double the amount. But I think, you know, from what I was reading, there was literature evidence. There was, you know, people were um, people were sort of talking about some horrible winters and some famines. But I guess because people don't have a lot of money to age, so when sort of these uh, mass graves are found in Europe, they're usually... Um, and, you know, it's usually sort of thought that it's a black plague rather mm-hmm. than because yeah. people don't have the money to um, age it well. Mm-hmm. But I think there is some evidence, but maybe there wasn't sort of a clear, this is what will happen. Right. The next thing he did is he looked at um, contemporary documentary sources. So basically things that were written at the time that this happened. Yeah. Do you want me to read you the quote that he eventually found can you tell us who it's from no is a monk yeah i have it's a benedictine monk called something paris 
Matthew Paris from the Sol- St. Albans okay. Abbey. In 1258, yeah. he reported, The north wind prevailed for several months. Scarcely a small rare flower or shooting germ appeared. Whence, the hope of harvest was uncertain. Innumerable multitudes of poor people died, and their bodies were found lying all about swollen from want. Nor did those who had homes dare to harbor the sick and dying for fear of infection. The pestilence was immense, insufferable. It attacked the poor particularly. In London alone, 15,000 of the poor perished. In England and elsewhere, thousands died. So 15,000 people dying in London now is a ton of people. 15,000 people dying in London when only 50,000 people live there is huge. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, of course, these sort of things happen because um, when famine strikes, um, rural people move to cities because cities are, um, there There are the sort of the business connections there, the trails and everything go into the cities. So mm-hmm. there is usually sort of food. Um, so they move to cities for food, but because famine, there's no food in the cities um, and it's horrible conditions and they start dying. In there, so a lot of these people probably weren't necessarily actually Londoners. Mm-hmm. Some of these people weren't necessarily Londoners, but were people who moved to London um, in an attempt. Fled to London. Fled to London yeah. to find food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were experiencing famine. Extreme famine. It was uh, some from what Matthew Paris described. Uh, it was sort of um, whether there was. Like a dry fog, there was very little sunshine, it was very sort of frosty and cold um, and windy, and basically there wasn't enough warmth and sunshine for like a whole year or two, or several years, I think it was several years, that um, um, this basically crops died. Um, and there was, yeah, no wheat, nothing. But it's interesting because um, when I was sort of reading about the reason maybe so there is like what how they could see it in like europe and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's like you know it's in russia it's in like many places and they kind of mentioned that it's possible that it started the sort of small ice age uh, like a, a sort of global cooling yeah, yeah. or is it more regional centuries. than global i don't know. I think it's global mm-hmm. it's global so they know so he knows something big is happening based on this documentary evidence yeah. and the next thing um, I'm not sure what they look at, but they, I guess, start looking into some global catastrophe. Catastrophe, yeah. Could have happened. Um, so I guess they start looking for volcanoes. Mm-hmm. Because what volcanoes did, as we discussed two weeks ago, two weeks ago um, they spur incredible amounts of gases and ash and um, all of these things mm-hmm. into. Not just the surrounding area, but into the atmosphere as well, if it's a large enough explosion. Which you might remember from 2010, the volcano in Iceland. Yes. No one could fly anywhere. But But this was something worse. Yeah, there is evidence from like Krakatoa that this happened. You know, there was a little sort of famines and stuff like that associated with that. Maybe even Vesuvius, I presume. I'm not sure. But this was like crazy. This was like seemingly much bigger than all of these 
huge explosions, volcanic mm-hmm. explosions that um, we have evidence of. But there was no evidence of it. There right. was no written so, evidence of it. Right. Don Walker and his team kind of speculated that it, it must have been a volcano. Um, but no one had, there was, right, there was no evidence of someone saying, in this year, this volcano in this part of the world exploded. Um, I think they somehow concluded that it was probably in the tropics somewhere. They, they had, so they were, um, so they started looking into other fields of work. Right. Um, and they started looking at some, something that how we can, um, identify sort of climate, um, and volcanic activity well, which is ice cores and sediment cores. Yeah. Um, these things are these huge, boring machines. <laughs> They're called boring because they bore into the earth. <laughs> But also they're boring <laughs> because they all they do is draw holes all day long. Uh, yeah, into either the ocean, like um, you core, or like oh. sediment um, okay. bottom. Yeah, or um, glaciers, glaciers, and you know Antarctica and all of these places, and they can go. It like, pulls out a big tube, like hundreds of miles deep. Hundreds of miles. Really? I'm not saying that you're lying. I'm just Maybe surprised. I am lying. Okay. No, That's hundreds nice. of... Wait. No. What am I... I, I literally looked into <laughs> this. Like, two... Three... Day. Three... Over two miles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> three kilometers. That's still huge. A lot. Yeah. Um, and I think in the uh, ice course, they can get up to 800,000 years, like, uh, sort of... Of evidence. Chronology. But in the sediment course... It's like millions of years. Wow. Like millions. I'll just explain why briefly. Yes. How this works in yeah. terms of the ice cores. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's huge glaciers on this planet that have been here for a very long time. And as time goes on, maybe they'll melt a tiny bit and then freeze over again. Or something in the atmosphere will accumulate on it and then it'll freeze over again. And it creates layers the same type of layers that we look at in archaeology, we call it stratigraphy, looking at, at layers because things deeper down generally are older than things higher up mm-hmm. because of the way these layers are formed. Mm-hmm. So they can look at these huge tubes of ice um, and test the, I don't know, molecular composition or something of the different layers and they can figure out how old it is and what was in the atmosphere or what was happening at that time. So, yeah, they can look at different like molecules or different uh, CO2 um, sort of ratios, um, other impurities, different gases, isotopes, isotopes. the same thing with the core sediments, they look at different uh, oxygen isotopes um, from the from the little creatures that live, Mm -hmm. you know, in the sea. Oh, like, Um, oh, in the sediment one. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So they can get sort of a lot of information about temperatures, um um yeah about what was in the atmosphere and volcanic ash is one of these things that kind of spreads around if it's if it if it's blown high enough into the atmosphere it sort of spreads around uh the earth and then falls um into the ocean or into uh onto these ice massive massive glaciers Mm -hmm. um and you know creates a layer of sediment so they started finding this like massive layer of of volcanic ash. Oh really? Yeah. Like 
I think I think I think it's like I thought it was just like there was some sulfur trapped in it. No, like they and un- like they found that like so much sulfate residue mm-hmm. that it was clearly like it was telling them that it was so much more than we know from Krakatoa or Vesuvius mm-hmm. that it was that they were looking at eruption that was like the biggest of the whole Holocene, which is what like ten ten thousand years. Is it's, the whole it's scene. now it's the era that we live in. Yeah, now. but yeah. it's it was yeah like huge. There were yeah these sediments were like revealing like huge layers like significant yeah. layers of volcanic sort of activity that kind of was pointing towards a massive eruption. So because of that, they concluded in their publication that there must have been some huge volcano somewhere in the world that caused this and that's why we found all these bodies and it affected people probably all over the world but definitely in london and they didn't know what volcano it was when they published it yes they were looking at two volcanoes they were looking at one in ecuador and then one in mexico Mm -hmm. but it wasn't those it wasn't those no it was somewhere completely different because very shortly after they published their research some i don't know seismologist who studies volcanoes or like geologists. Yeah. Published, um, I'm sorry, we know nothing about your field. You're probably not listening, so it's okay. Um, they published an article very shortly after saying, hey, we found evidence of this volcano that erupted in Indonesia in, in 12, probably 1258. 1257. Yeah, 57. Yeah. Um, they did some speculation to figure out the year exactly, but it was definitely in, in and around the middle of the... 1200s yeah um so they found this evidence of this volcano so it's certainly the same volcano that caused all these deaths it's called the uh, um samalas eruption which is the samalas volcano next in in on the lombok island in indonesia Mm -hmm. And and he called it i see that they call it a volcanic explosivity index of seven making it the largest eruption of the current current Holocene epoch. Yeah. But do you remember what kind of volcano he called it? He call, he gave it some like classification that was like super catastrophic volcano or something like that. And it just sounded so big. Um super colossal. Super colossal volcano. That's like the real term for the type of volcano it is. And I think that's the only one it yeah, so it's the largest one in our current epoch, which is huge. Yeah. So when I'm looking at Wikipedia and the different classifications, there are some other volcanoes um, that are within that range okay. as well, within our epo- like within the whole scene. Yeah. But all the bigger ones than seven uh-huh. are like millions of years ago, yeah, or like hundreds of thousands of years ago. So it's definitely like up there. And just for like. Oh, sorry. Yeah. One of the largest eruptions of the Holocene. Yeah. Right? So, like, Vesuvius is, is one of them? category five. And this is seven. This is And how seven. many categories are there? Only eight? Ten, uh, yeah, okay. eight. There's eight. only eight. Only eight. It's basically, yeah, um, Fuji. And it, and it did it did have um, our favorite pyroclastic flows, mm-hmm. which would have obviously been devastating to any thing, person, animal living near it. Uh, and it's quite possible that there are... There are evidence. So if you, yeah, 
I looked at the uh, Wikipedia page for the volcano and yeah, the eruption was huge. There was all of this, why we talked about pyroclastic flows, um, huge amounts of CO2 and sulfate and everything. But also, um, of course, there were kingdoms. There was there mm-hmm. were people. It was around uh, the islands of Java and Bali and Indonesia, and um, it probably it, it like I mean, from what they say, it like destroyed completely the island of uh, Bali. Mm-hmm. I think, and um, yeah, like it would have just there, covered it. Yeah, 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 like huge, huge, huge layers. But also the other islands, and and there is apparently written evidence about it okay well what what is it um i mean it might have just been really difficult for them to find i'm sure they didn't find it and dismiss it yeah i don't like, know oh here's written evidence of a volcano in 1250 but we're not gonna read it because it's from indonesia i don't think it's interesting that the uh, capital of and kingdom of lombok was destroyed with both capital and the kingdom completely disappearing from historical record Hmm. Um, well this is why people in different disciplines should communicate better yeah. but the Baba Lombok <laughs> describe how villages on Lombok were destroyed during the middle 13th century by ash and um, by ash and high speed sweeps of gas and rocks which we know is the pyroclastic flow yeah so there was evidence of it. So there's inscriptions documenting certain kinds of historical events, however, very little direct historical evidence of the consequences of the Samoa's eruptions exist. So okay. there's some writing. I guess it's and a bit it, more it vague. it might have been on their radar. Yeah, they just didn't know exactly what, which one it was. Well, and how, how big, big. It was. Yeah. But there were definitely communities that were destroyed kingdoms. by this volcano. Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Literal kingdoms. Yeah. Because the, the islands were made of many kingdoms. Okay, yeah. And they all were completely destroyed completely destroyed um that doesn't mean that they were all preserved the same way that pompeii or herculaneum were because we know now that the two of them are preserved completely differently so mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors that go into it this was a much huger much more huge super colossal <laughs> volcano so uh there's a good chance that they weren't just perfectly pristine and preserved but we don't know yeah, and I mean, it created a huge lake, and because it's an island, it probably reacted very differently. It probably yeah. uh, swept a lot of a lot of these things into the sea, um, and things like that. Um, but there is sort of, you know, archaeological evidence of famines because, yeah, as it goes, what happens? The sulfate and all of these gases they create a sort of shield around the earth mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't let. Um, the sun rays in and that causes you know dark and cold climate your plants don't grow and your animals have nothing to eat and you have nothing to eat yep uh, yeah young animals die especially crops die and then it falls with famines diseases and there is sort of some archaeological evidence of this happening like oral world yeah, like america like South America, um, the four four corners in the States, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Northeast Asia. You know, there were just these different events that were happening all over the world in this sort of time period associated with famine and sort of movement and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this massive volcano did it. Very cool. Very cool. So I had a question at the end of the thing, which I asked. Um... 
I asked if there was a higher prevalence of rickets among the survivors of the famine. Because mm-hmm. you would think that if it's so dark for a few years, the children that were young and growing at that time may have gotten rickets, which is something that you get because you don't get enough vitamin D. Yes. Which you can get from leafy greens, various foods, but also from the sun. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have leafy greens. Mm-hmm. They food. didn't have the sun. And the sun. Right. And rickets is kind of important in archaeology because you can see it on the bones. It, yeah. af- it affects your the bones of your lower limbs. But Dunwalker told us that that was... Not it case. was surprising. That was not the case because among their whole assemblage, they found very few uh, incidents... Cases of rickets yeah. at all. Far fewer than you would expect in such an assemblage, even not counting the the volcanic catastrophe. Yeah. So that was interesting. That was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't... I don't have an answer. No? Yeah. Me neither. But it's a very interesting question and something to ponder. Mm-hmm. And if uh, a paleopathologist is listening, ponder as well. <laughs> ponder with us. Ponder with us. This is our new segment. Ponder, Ponder with us. us. <laughs> we just like quietly think. Quietly think. Hmm. Put our hand underneath the chin. Hmm. Hmm. Rickets. Hmm. <laughs> All right. It was a really good talk. Thank you. Good talk. Don Walker. It was great. And the London Month of the Dead. Yeah. And the Brompton Cemetery. Oh, gorgeous. Go there. Support. Thank you, Mortuary Gem, who saw us there. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> that was so nice. She yeah. said hello. We're sorry we couldn't. Did we talk about this on the last one already? No, we didn't. I okay. talked to her on Twitter about okay. it a little bit. Because we wanted to talk, talk, talk blah, blah, blah. We wanted to talk to Don Walker just because professional, you know. Yeah. Um, and because we won his job. <laughs> but we wanted to talk to you too, our fan. So next time, if any of you see us at a cemetery come say hi yeah (laughs) we appreciate we want to talk to you all right um so hope you enjoyed this one yeah keep updating us if you do yeah and now register review and we'll send you a sticker yes um next week is our halloween episode yeah which is going to be about something spooky Mm -hmm. with someone spooky (laughs) with someone who's really awesome and we're excited to have as a guest yeah it's not Aaron no (laughs) which we're always excited to have Aaron but he's not a guest he He thinks he's a guest but he's not he's a founding member member (laughs) of Dead Kids Club and in two weeks you'll hear us like you've never heard us before properly Hopefully. Yeah. It'll be, it'll sound really good, probably, unless we forget to press a button and none of it records, records or we forget there's all the knobs and... We'll have it on quiet. It. You have it all the way down. Well, give us a minute. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> all right. <laughs>